all of these skills are so important and you haven't lost them you've embellished them and you've had to amplify them and whether you like it or not almost and I think again as women we downplay how important all of those skills are because it's we're made to feel like we've taken a step back or we've taken a step out that like that's not the case at all you've taken a sidestep and then you know you've honed an awful lot of very important skills that can only help you in what you're going to do when you if you if and when you do want to come back into the workplace hi welcome to the leaders with babies podcast i'm kirsty brewer taking up the mantle from verena hefty this week I'm a BBC journalist and a fellow of Arena's Leaders Plus programme, and I have a two-year-old son called Elliot. The programme is designed to give leaders with babies inspiration and access to practical support in order to continue progressing their careers while enjoying their young families. We're nearing the end of the fellowship programme, and a few of us thought it would be interesting to do a mini podcast takeover and have some frank and hopefully helpful conversations with dynamic leaders with babies and young children. We're asking guests to reflect back on, for example, when they were pregnant, when they were on leave, when they did a keep in touch date, and finally, when they returned to work. What advice would they give those versions of themselves knowing what they do now? Today, I'm speaking to Kim Rowell. She's an assistant editor at the BBC and has a four-year-old daughter. You've likely seen some of her team's documentaries on BBC iPlayer. Kim is also a children's author and hosts the Women of the Future podcast after winning a Women of the Future award herself in 2018. Hi, Kim. Thanks for joining us. Hi. You're very welcome. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> good. Um, so are we. So when we were looking for good candidates for this podcast, Kim, you instantly came to mind for three reasons. Number one, you're a big champion of kindness and that underpins your leadership style. Two, I know that you've been made redundant three different times and I think resilience and job insecurity feels particularly uh, pertinent in these current times and thirdly on a more personal note when I came back from maternity leave myself I put myself under a lot of pressure to come sort of flying out of the traps winning at work and at home and it left me feeling like my mind was a bit of a scribble a lot of the time and I remember you saying to me that all the best things have happened to you in your career had happened since you had your daughter and it was something I really needed to hear at the time and it was very kind of reassuring and fortifying and I've just remembered that ever since. Yeah I think all of those things I thank you for asking me to do it it is an honour and I think I should caveat everything that I say in that I find motherhood amazingly subjective like the things that I do and the things that have gotten me through won't necessarily be all-encompassing for everybody else but I know that I've listened to podcasts and I've read a lot of books and literature and stuff online and you take away the tidbits from it that actually do help you kind of move forward in kind of this realm of motherhood which is kind of quite formidable in itself but yeah I suppose to kind of touch on the first thing you mentioned kindness it's not just kindness either it's fairness I think there are lots of things that are linked to being kind and fairness particularly in the workplace is very intrinsically linked to that and the word kindness itself is poo-pooed or it's dismissed it's always like being nice or being friendly and it's just a bit airy-fairy things that you probably would normally associate with women and then because of the stereotypes that we're all so so used to it's then seen as a weakness which is ridiculous because it's being empathetic it's being mindful it's 
I think also now, like a lot of my, my colleagues and the people on my team, they want to be heard. And I think that's really simplistic at the basic level, just listening to people and hearing where they're coming from, why they think that, what their experience is. And sometimes that can take five minutes. Obviously, it can also take hours, but, you know, just giving them your time. And these are all little bits and bobs that are linked into kindness. And then I guess the, the redundancy side it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because it used to be, in my mind, like a dirty word, and I would never admit it, even when I go for other jobs when having just been made redundant, I would never say I'd been made redundant. The thing is, now I don't really care, because it, it gave me an opportunity, which I think the pandemic has given a lot of people now, an opportunity to take stock, because I always like rolled in from one thing to another. So I graduated from university, I eventually got a job, started working in media, mm -hmm. and I kind of just like snowballed without actually really thinking about what I was doing necessarily. So as much as when I was made redundant, it was a massive shock. I went through a lot of kind of mental health issues, I guess. I was never diagnosed with anything, but I was, I was down. I was depressed. I was anxious. I still had to pay my bills. And I was relatively young the first time it happened. I was in my early to mid-20s. And then it happened, it happened again, and then it happened again. And it's just, I think the field that I work in in media, digital media, because it's hard to justify the commerciality of it or, you know, making money out of it. People and companies don't necessarily know how to do that. Mm. So it took me a while to understand that it wasn't me that was being made redundant it was the role I was not redundant as a person the company had deemed that they didn't need that role anymore and I think once I got my head around that you still have a sense of worth you really do and there was something that I posted on social media recently because in one of my rounds of redundancy I ended up working in Clinton cards over Christmas just because I was I needed the money first and foremost but also I was bored and I went back to where the Clinton cards was in Oxford just before I was going to go and do a TED talk. So it's just these yeah. universes colliding. And I'm thinking like, how in the hell is this my life? But also it makes me have so much perspective and so much gratitude for having had those hard knocks to get me to here. And I think I wouldn't be the same person if it hadn't have happened. So, yeah. Did you make a point of going back and like visiting that, yeah, I did. that site? Yeah. I did, I did, because I was so bad at it. I was so bad at it. I remember one evening um, I had to cash up and it was really like an arduous process to cash up the machine and printing cards. And I, did, I took too long to do it and they shut the shopping centre. So I had to, I was locked in the shopping centre and I remember like banging on the doors of Primark saying hi, because they were still like folding up the jumpers saying, can you let me out please? So <laughs> I went under the grate of Primark and out by the bins, but yeah, that wasn't a career highlight, but you know, you take, you take the rough with the smooth. And obviously there was, there was more to it. Obviously I was going through a lot of, what am I doing? Why did I go to university for this? Where's my next opportunity gonna come from? But I laugh about it now. I think I wanna just say to anyone listening, the rough does come with the smooth and when you think you're in your darkest days and you think you're at your darkest moment or your lowest ebb it will 100% get better 100% yeah absolutely so um, we wanted to do this sort of looking at five key junctures so I wanted to start at the beginning with what you wish you'd known as your pregnant self <laughs> it's everything I wish I'd known everything and again I know that every experience is 
entirely different and there's some things that I went through like I got shin splints when my bump started getting bigger and I couldn't walk very far very easily and I'm type 1 diabetic and I had to have like a, a lot more checks and balances and things like that and I think one of the biggest things that I know now that if I hopefully go into another pregnancy is to you, you know your body you know how you feel you know when that you don't feel quite right or you know when you might feel a bit you know different to the normal trust in your instincts trust what your body is telling you I mean clearly listen to the experts because that's why you're going to see them but listen to what they're telling you process it apply some general common sense and go at it from that point of view I think one of the hardest things I know um lots of people have done NCT and do kind of antenatal classes mm. I didn't really get on with my NCT people because I think sometimes in life generally comparison is a thief of joy and it was happening all the time and I was like I don't need that when I'm kind of at my most vulnerable already kind of comparing what strollers they're gonna have or what play mats they're gonna have or if you know it just all got a bit too much in that sense so I think again it takes strength of character and strength of will but also you need support right as well you need to have your partner fully on board with what it is that you want to do as part of this whole pregnancy process as well as obviously listening to your mum or your close friends and things like that but again listen to what they're saying and come back to you because you're the one that's growing a whole other human inside you so you know you have control of this situation so try if you can to maintain that sense of control yeah I think I think I lost it a bit in all honesty so so you'd been made redundant from channel four and had just joined the telegraph is that right yeah I was at the, <laughs> was at the telegraph and We've been trying for a baby and I put it off because I've been made redundant. And then obviously, I'm guessing because I was so happy, I got pregnant the day I started at the Telegraph. <laughs> so <laughs> the timing, it was a little bit rubbish. And that's the other thing, I guess, that you can, there is never like the right time to do something necessarily because there was no way I wasn't going to have that baby. And, but if I'd have planned it, it would never have been on the first day that I started a brand new job but um yeah and but it worked out okay you know I was at the Telegraph for three years. So how was your maternity leave and looking back on it now are there any moments where you think wow if I knew then what I know now? Yeah it was um it was hard I just it was it was wonderful it's kind of like it's the weirdest feeling isn't it it's like the highest highs and the most kind of euphoric moments and the the lowest pretty much lows that I think I've ever been through but um when Flo was born they thought she had a brain infection they thought she might have meningitis or something like that so they had to keep her in for a little while whilst they tried to do scans to just check her brain function and they also put wires on her brain to check the movements and things like that so clearly that was amazingly stressful yeah so when we eventually did kind of come out of hospital it'd been two weeks and my husband had only taken two weeks paternity leave so we got out of hospital and the next day he went back to work yeah I think that was I just wasn't ready for it I just having gone from some from a job that was so busy and so demanding of my time to then have another little person that was essentially doing the same things like demanding of my time and all of that kind of stuff as well as chucking in reflux and not sleeping and poo explosions and all of this kind of stuff <laughs> it was just it was a bit of um a bit crazy really do you think during that time you came away having developed any new skills which 
you found were an asset for the workplace? Because I find a lot of the narrative around maternity leave is that you've sort of just taken a step back and almost de-skilled or you've lost Mm. your confidence. But I found, I don't know, things like you were talking there about meeting people maybe you didn't get on with or sort of conflict resolution and diplomacy for starters. I feel like I kind of honed that skill quite a lot. (laughs) Yeah, completely. Yeah, you're right, 100%. And also I think... They always say when you want something done, give it to a, a busy person. And I think now I find myself so much more efficient than I was before I had my daughter because you are time poor, but also you know that you can do something really quickly, really well, then you've got to move on to about nine other things before you can have some lunch or something. You know, you, you are efficient and you know what to do. And also kind of managing people's attentions and how to kind of engage with people and it's, it's I think there's a lot of kind of humanizing skills that you you learn with, particularly with, with a small child because when they're babies they don't do an awful lot do they kind of eat sleep and poop again but um you know you you then know how to manage those situations as well as kind of running a house and mm. things like that and I've read a lot of kind of self-help books in this area and a lot of women always ask this question like I I want to go back into work now I've had three or four or more years off through raising my children what are my skills what have I got to say that is useful to someone in, in the workplace and it is stuff like that isn't it it's time management productivity being able to kind of just systemically manage situations and your timings throughout the day but like you were saying, you no know, diplomacy, managing arguments, managing people, managing when your mother-in-law wants to get involved, that kind of stuff. You know, you are kind of communicative and all of these skills are so important and you haven't lost them. You've embellished them and you've had to amplify them and whether you like it or not, almost. And I think, again, as women, we downplay how important all of those skills are because it's is we were made to feel like we've taken a step back or we've taken a step out that like that's not the case at all you've taken a sidestep and then you know you've honed an awful lot of very important skills that can only help you in what you're going to do when you if you if and when you do want to come back into the workplace another thing i was thinking and there's a psychologist and coach called jessica chivers who coaches um, women returning back to work and she says you're such an asset because you you've got fresh eyes and you're stepping back into an organization and there's not really many other times when someone does that and um, just having that new perspective and having had some time away i think that that's a really good point that i hadn't really thought about yeah i agree and also you're coming back because you want to come back and i think you were saying earlier I told you that all the good things had happened to me since I had my child and that's because I was going back to work but I needed to do something that meant that it was okay in my mind to be away from her so I think I I tried harder you know it had to be meaningful like when you've had that time out and you want to come back like there's a desire to come back and you're doing it because you want it to matter you do come at it with an enthusiasm and a passion and a desire that probably your colleagues don't have right in that moment or not as much as you do either. So it's just, these are all kind of things that you can try and capitalise on. And when I came back to work, it was so hard and you're sleep deprived. And some days I was like, I'm not even sure how my eyes are open, but it does get better. That's the mm-hmm. thing. It just, you know, every day, one day at a time, everything comes in phases. Be kind to yourself and just keep going. I think keep chipping away. Before we talk more about when you return to work, during your maternity leave, did you take any keep in touch days and 
what would you do differently if you had that time again? I didn't, in all honesty, because I wasn't off for very long. And I think this is something that I've come in for a lot of criticism for. I took about five and a half months, which isn't very long at all. But I think that was just more, again, to do with my own sense of purpose, knowing myself. I think we all know ourselves the best out of anybody else. Yeah. That it, I would be the best version of myself and I would be the best mother to her if I did this and if I went back to work and I had other stuff to think about and the time that I spent with her would become invaluable to me and I think it worked out that way I think I kind of went back into the office once just to see everybody and it was around Christmas time anyway it's a bit of a kind of artificial situation I think and I've had people do it where I am now they'll come back for keeping in touch days and there's a kind of a level of like they want to come back in entirely but also they know that they they're not quite there yet so yeah, it's like it's this weird kind of like hey I want to be here let's get involved but also I know that I've got to kind of go back and one day isn't going to be enough for me to fully throw myself back in I mean I've read stuff there's a guy called Adam Grant who wrote a book with the COO of Facebook Cheryl Sandberg and he reiterates how important like FaceTime is so to actually physically go and see somebody in a work setting because otherwise you get forgotten about think keeping in touch days on maternity leave it just reminds everybody that you're not out of touch that's the whole point you know you you're still there you're still invested you're still interested you still want to be doing what you're doing and also you've just added a whole other level to your life that makes you even more valuable in my mind as an employee so one of your staff members went uh, came back for a kit day is there anything you'd be mindful of or that you might do Yeah, I think, in all honesty, I I had someone do this quite recently, or before the pandemic, so not that recently, but um, she came back in and I was a bit, like, I was really busy that day and I thought, oh God, I need to actually make time to sit down with her properly and have a really constructive chat about where she was, where she's going, what she wants, that kind of stuff. And I just had to, to clear my slate, you know, and I had to be receptive to her and respect her ultimately because she's just gone through this big life-changing moment and you need to let them be heard you need to understand what's changed if anything has changed do they want to carry on exactly as it was do they need kind of any special considerations or you know you just need to be humanizing about it. all the whole kind of pointness of kindness and fairness you need to understand and have an appreciation over this big life-changing event that they've just gone through yeah I think that goes a long way just to carve out that time to talk to people and ask those questions yeah 100% so when you returned to work after just under six months did you feel that mum guilt that we all felt I'm sure yeah 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 hugely (laughs) hugely and um you just get judged don't you like whether you like it or not whether it's conscious or unconscious you get judged every every step of the way but and I think maybe you're just more sensitive to it as well because you're already questioning what you're doing and whether it's the right thing to do so if anyone passes any kind of comment you're like oh my god why are you saying that yeah I remember there was a meeting there was like an all-team meeting and they'd just done a video which was around kind of like leave generally not just maternity it was paternity leave it was kind of it was it was a little bit of everything really and they played the video and afterwards one of the other managers said oh you know yeah yeah, people often feel an awful lot of pressure to come back from maternity leave like really really quickly don't they 
and it didn't really resonate with anyone else in the room and I was like that was aimed at me like you know I know that that was like why did you do that and I just thought be careful you know just be careful because it just plays on people's minds and it could have been hugely detrimental to my own self-esteem and Mm -hmm. sense of self-worth and the fact that I'm recalling it now means that it it still plays on my mind you know when I came back from maternity leave I worked at 10 till 4 and the hardest thing in the world was leaving the office at four o'clock you know you would stand up to go and everyone would be looking at you like where the hell is she going at four o'clock but I had a commute back to Oxfordshire and I review videos and commission videos so I had plenty of time on the train to be able to still do that and I think also I wasn't just leaving my job I was going off to do another very important job and you know it was it's was, it was so hard and Again, I think you just learn from experience that you would approach differently, but also your mindset, you know, you know how you felt that first time and you might still feel that way, but you can maybe like mitigate those feelings with the sense of, well, I know why I'm doing this and I know why this is important to me. And you have the long term picture in front of you. If you had that time again or could reflect back and tell yourself something, then is there a way you could have tried to draw boundaries um in a more effective way or was it just something oh yeah definitely I think if if I'd have had the strength of character but it was really early on like my daughter wasn't a year old and my hormones were still all over the place I was still sleep deprived but now I would have had the strength of character to, to do both of those things really to set boundaries really clear boundaries like I stop work at six o'clock that is when my blackberry or my you know my iphone or my emails that is when they get it gets turned off and I think that is something that I try and do now, especially in a virtual setting. You have to draw a line somewhere, otherwise you're just fully accessible all the time. And you wrote a children's book on your commute just after coming back to work. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Again, I don't want this to go out there as like, oh, I, well, aren't I amazing? I did this. No, no. Because um, <laughs> I know, again, like if you're in your sleep deprived, the last thing on your mind is putting pen to paper and writing a story. But um, I had the idea before I had my daughter and I think it's because the commute, the, the train journey was about 50 minutes and obviously I would do bits of work and then I, my mind would wander and it's automatically feel a bit guilty that she wasn't physically there with me, even though she'd probably be screaming the carriage down. But um, yeah, and I just started writing and I, I really enjoy writing anyway. And it was, a, it's a bit in the, the guise of like revolting rhymes or dial, like rhyming verse. And it was about, a little spider called Towny Spider who climbs into a ring mirror then he finds himself in the countryside and he hasn't got any friends and he needs to make friends so it was intended to kind of introduce themes of friendship and kindness and to address like the very formative starts of mental health with very young children and it got it got picked up by a publisher and it was published in April last year so yeah it was just it was for her it was it was for Florence really and I get emotional I knew I was going to cry. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because you all feel so, so, so guilty. It's because you question everything, don't you, as a mother? Like the yeah. guilt is is so raw in everything. And like I say, you feel like you're being judged, even when you're probably not most of the time. But I think it meant that it was something kind of tangible that I had to give to her. And I mean, she didn't really care. <laughs> you know, the babies are like, I kind of like waved it in front of her and she does read it occasionally. She cares now though, doesn't she? Yeah, I think it means more to her. And I took it into her, her nursery and her preschool and 
Lee and her father read it to her in, in like the setting there and she enjoyed that I think she kind of was a bit more bought into it that time it felt if like cathartic and it felt yeah I can identify with that yeah the right thing to do it, there's um there's a really great mother's magazine called motherdom magazine which was set up by um this fantastic woman that i know called anna and they picked it up and they kind of highlighted it as really useful for introducing themes of mental health to like young kids so you know when you're trying to have those conversations as to why you should be friends with somebody and why you should try and talk to somebody and make them Mm -hmm. feel at home and you know friendships and companions and that kind of stuff so that that was nice that's great and so bringing it back to the here and now can you reflect on where things stand now and your career and balancing that with your family life? Yeah, it's um, it's a constant juggle. Mm. Uh, it really is. And it's a challenge. Again, it's a challenge. She's um, Florence is in nursery or preschool now full, full time. It's a bit easier during the pandemic because she can go in for less hours because we're obviously home based. But um, my husband has quite a kind of busy job as much as I as I do. So the juggle between us is quite a challenge. And I think that's the key thing, like through the whole the strongest thread through all of my story is my partnership with my husband. And I think that can't be underestimated. I call him my my greatest enabler because I would never be able to go and do the things that I do or have the time to do the things that I do if he wasn't there. And it is give and take. It's not just all him enabling me. I clearly give him a lot of bandwidth to go and do the things that he wants to do too because we are still our own people. And I think that's really important too. Like maintain your own interests, carry on doing the things that drive drive you and are important to you and the things that you want to get out of life because life is so short I think again the pandemic has proven that to all of us I know that there are lots of meaningful things that I still want to do as part of that and I'm so clearly delighted that I have a child and that she's part of that and I have a family who I adore but I want to bring them with me on that journey and it is hard and it's challenging and there are moments when I just want to go away shut the door and cry and sometimes I probably do hide in the bathroom for a bit longer than I probably should but you know there are moments when we all just need to give ourselves a break and be kind to ourselves and there are so many demands on our time but also I would encourage everyone to just prioritize the important things and not sweat the small stuff yeah I think it definitely puts things into perspective like becoming a parent for me anyway yeah and and I think children live in the present, don't they? So it sort of encourages you. Oh, God, you to... it's so refreshing, isn't it? They're literally just like, can I eat this? Can I play with it? Will <laughs> it break? That's it. They're not thinking about like what they just did, what they're going to do, what's going to happen at the weekend. It's so, it's so refreshing. I wish I could be a bit more like that. Just like finding the joy in everyday things. Really simple stuff. She was running up and down like this small slope on the grass the other day. And she was delighted at it and I was just like oh god (laughs) I think it's definitely you know being on zoom and being interrupted and it's definitely made it more real for people hasn't it and probably in a good way yeah made the fact that you've got a child and that's something that's to be celebrated and just something that is what it is it's I think it's quite good that we've seen children crop up on zooms and interrupt things and cause a bit of chaos yeah I think my husband and I both had that where like Florence would just wander in and just stick her head in and like wave at everybody and then wander off and watch Dougie you know it's just this is what they do isn't it and it's just you can't I don't want to be too restrictive with her right now because I think life starts to get more and more restrictive as you get older but um yeah you say it's, it's just life and everyone just smiles and carries on don't they yeah 
yeah. Um, on a more practical point, has the way you you and your partner manage everything has it evolved in terms of enabling each other to be able to work effectively? Mm. And if you've got a big thing coming up, how do you navigate that? Do you sit down and plan things, or how do you? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's forward planning. Like even the start of the week, it would be like, well, I need to take this call late on Tuesday and Thursday. Are you okay to like manage flow whilst I do that? And then he'll let me know. But also, it's work and it's also social as well. Like he'll be like, oh, I want to go for a curry with the with the guys on Wednesday. Is that you know? It's kind of it's. I think it's just managing expectations, but also as a parent, the thing that I found is you just have to forward plan with everything. Like you know, you need to know what you're doing even down to the things like what are they going to wear where are they going to be how's that going to work when when can we factor in all these other things that we want to do so I think it's I've never been so organized in my life but yeah I think it's communication and if you don't have that in your partnership then you might start to struggle but I think and also just being honest like the times that I've said to him like can you do this because I'm knackered like you know and I'll do it tomorrow or something you know just a bit of give and take yeah communicating all the time yeah exactly I think for me it was like not assuming things like I think yeah. sometimes you're just sort of sleepwalking a bit and um you just assume things you don't really check in and think oh are we on the same page here or like you didn't spell that out or sometimes it needs sort of yeah. articulating I think that's also really key when you're knackered isn't it like yeah. <laughs> just assuming things yeah that's great thank you I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add or anything that you thought would be helpful but you've you've said so much already and lots of um words of wisdom there for people to take away <laughs> yeah and I, I said at the beginning like I caveat this with like this is what works for me and the biggest thing I think is just don't be so hard on yourself you, you're human we all make mistakes as long as they're alive like I go in at night and check she's breathing I think most parents do that but um you know you, you're keeping a small person or small people alive so well done you there was no manual you've got this far and if you can still function and hold down a job and do pretty well at it then well done I think we all deserve a big pat on the back yeah well said that's a good way of ending I think and on a high and um, thank you no that worries of course not everyone's experiences of being a leader with a baby are the same you may not have been pregnant you may have taken adoptive leave you might be a carer we want to hear from people of all stripes. So if after listening to this, you think you'd make a good guest, please get in touch by emailing verena at leadersplus.org.uk. Before we go, an introduction to the three other Leaders Plus fellows who worked on today's episode and will hopefully be hosting further episodes to come. Victoria, Melanie and Katie, can you introduce yourselves and tell us what's the best bit of advice you've been given since you became a leader with a baby? So I'm Victoria Moore and I'm a manager in the NHS. I have a little girl who's two and another one on the way early next year. And the best piece of advice that I've been given is to really set out your stall when you return to work. So um, you might not feel that your level of ambition at work has changed or it may have completely changed, but those around you at work may be making all sorts of assumptions about what has um, happened to your mindset whilst you've been away and on return. So really important to just set out where you want to get to what support you might need um, and just make sure that people are aware of how they can help you in that. Um, so hi, I'm Melanie. I'm a senior internal communications manager at BT. I've got one little girl. Uh, she's two years old. I think the best piece of advice I was given was separately by, by two senior women in the organisation, actually. One's got two kids, one's got three, but they both separately said to me, don't ever let work or work decision 
become prioritized over a personal one because work will always be there so you know I think a lot of women worry about oh is it the right time to go for a second child and take time off work again and they were just saying just don't even think about it because your personal circumstance could change and you may end up regressing it but work will always be there so yeah don't prioritize that one over your personal one. Hi, I'm Katie Bowcott. Uh, I'm finance manager at University College London and I have a three-year-old son. I think the best piece of advice I've ever had was something that I actually overheard when I was still practicing as a junior doctor. So years before I became a parent myself, and that was that you can't look after others well if you don't look after yourself. And all too often when we become parents, Uh, The ever-increasing to-do list means that we fall down our priority list. But just making time for yourself, even if it's half an hour a week, just to really have some me time, give yourself some headspace, indulge in a hobby, or even just use that time to gain some clarity over your career and your life goals and then implement some practical change around that will ultimately lead to you being happier parents, achieving what you want to achieve. So the best bit of advice I've probably received involves seeing your priorities in terms of glass balls and rubber balls and working out which is which. So acknowledging that you're juggling lots and sometimes something has to give. And if you drop a rubber ball, it will bounce back. So not to be too hard on yourself and just be clear about what your priorities are. Thanks so much to Verena for agreeing to us hosting this podcast today. We hope you found a top tip in here that resonated with you and we hope that you can join us again next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.